Okay, thank you everybody for choosing to listen or view a Global From Asia podcast. We have an amazing guest and actually an amazing topic that is very timely. Um, Francois Jeffrey uh, from Novaland. Thanks so much for joining. Right. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It, it truly is an amazing topic. It's something that everyone has to listen to. So yeah, yeah I'm sure I, we were chatting, we're preparing for the interview and I, you know, I think this is, so we're going to be talking about preparing for Q4, especially in, you know, I don't want, I do hope these shows are evergreen, you know, so I don't want it to be so much just about COVID, but I do think, uh, you know, this will be one of the biggest, I think you also seem to agree that it's probably gonna be one of the biggest e-commerce Q4s ever. Um, so there's a lot people should be preparing for. Right, right. And uh, a little bit of background about you. You're the director of business development at Novaland, and you've, you've done industrial engineering at Western University, West Virginia University, and also spent time with Coca-Cola before joining in 2016. And you're in Atlanta now, and you also go to Pittsburgh, and you share, you know, like, you, like we've been preparing for this show, you, you know, really share a lot with, uh, on podcasts and, and speaking. So I really, really appreciate you to uh, share with us today. Yeah. Yeah. No, you hit the nail on the head with all that. So I appreciate okay, you great. having me again. <laughs> so you deal a lot with, with logistics. Of, um, and it's, I mean, I'm curious, maybe before we talk about Q4, like let's maybe just kind of recap the insanity of uh, logistics and e-commerce. You know, obviously that could be a whole show in itself too, but you know, maybe just a, a little bit of what you've been going through the last couple of quarters. Yeah. I mean, particularly the past, I would say the past quarter uh, specifically. I mean, obviously through Q1 and Q2, there was a lot of turmoil with with COVID. And uh, you see that in a lot of financial reports where you see obviously the cross-border trade and and, uh, international commerce just sort of plummeting. Uh, And I think Jungle Scott had had a little white page on it, which I found interesting. Um, but this really is something that is so unprecedented in logistics where we are seeing prices twice as high as we did last year, the same time last year, where, you know, we might see seventeen, eighteen hundred $1,800 for a container going to the West coast. And now we're seeing those at like $3,700, $3,800. Um, so it's absolutely insane. It's something that's not talked about very frequently. And I think it's something that even when it is talked about, the blame tends to be shifted or sort of put on freight forwarders, mm. uh, which I think is unfair. Uh, I, I think is very unfair. And, and I think it is a, ignorance is the wrong word. I think it's a lack of the available education out there where mm. a freight forwarder, all they are is someone that coordinates between shipping carriers and, and, and the shippers, right? And they essentially just handle all those communications and paperwork. And um, so, where a lot of our users and just Amazon sellers in general specifically, they're seeing these price spikes from freight forwarders, but it's because of freight forwarders seeing these price spikes from the shipping carriers. Yeah. Right. And that's all done through general rate increases, GRIs, uh, which is another topic can, which can be an entire topic in and of itself. Sure. sure. I know. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's so much to, to so, you know, there's so much to share. So um, yeah, I think that that's, you know, that's a quick, uh, we'll focus on the future, you know, preparing people for the next couple quarters. But yeah, I think it's been just, I do agree with you, you know, people, 
it's, I think even without COVID, I mean, people always kind of blame the logistics. It, it is an easy, I don't, an easy scapegoat, you know, where's my stuff? It's stuck mm. in customs. It's the prices are so high, the oil prices, the labor costs, the cost, you know, you know, um, I feel like the logistics always has to be the delivery of the bad news. Usually it's, you know, logistics is such a, you know, messy, I think, you know, it's, you're trying to control all of these moving parts, right? You know, and especially nowadays, there's uh, even more moving parts and you have to kind of make sure it all uh, is delivered, communicated to the client, you know, Amazon seller or whoever. And then they, you're the one delivering this news and they're like, yelling at you're the messenger almost you know what i mean as a right. so it is a tricky time um and yeah like you said prices are going up and q4 especially prices you know we're in we're recording this mid-september and the show will go online pretty quickly also in september so you know what what are you noticing um already happening people People have to prepare now earlier. People are getting scared. Amazon will close warehouses or restrict inbound shipments or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, you know, I don't know what you're, you know, well, it's what are you seeing uh, coming? It, 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 sort of that, that, that fluster is exactly what I'm seeing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no. sort of translate into shipping. Um, it's, uh, it goes all the way down to the, the 3PL warehouses. Right. And something that wasn't necessarily talked about heavily uh, just a few months ago because everyone relied on Amazon FBA and having inventory in there. Um, And then sort of just being hands off where there's a lot of freight forwarders that were very familiar with Amazon FBA. Obviously, Um, they knew how to ship there. They could drop off their cargo. Um, But now we're seeing, you know, Amazon throttle these quantities and they really have to focus on where can I store my inventory? How am I going to stay, you know, in stock, especially during the holiday season, which is going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, And so to that point, going with 3PL and then coordinating with the logistics and then seeing the carriers reduce those quantities uh, of containers, even that that are able to, uh, to go onto the vessels. And now we're seeing something that is also crazy and, and, the articles just started coming out a few days ago. I think everyone should start Googling this, but the Chinese ministry of transport, uh, and you might be familiar with this. They just stepped in where typically a government won't step in uh, and say, Hey, you know, this is being getting ridiculous. We need to keep the prices, you know, uh, fair. Uh, you need to open up more capacity on this trans Pacific route. Um, and, and so it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but with Amazon doing this, I, I think it is opening a door to other marketplaces mm-hmm. and that dependency on 3PL particularly uh, is going to increase. Uh, so now you see a ton of freight forwarders trying to, to, to skirmish to find 3PL locations where they can actually deliver the goods because now their truck yards are starting to get filled up. Yeah. And one thing that's very much not discussed is that when a 3PL says no to a freight forwarder, to a trucking company, that trucking company is going to charge the freight forwarder and the freight forwarder is going to charge you. So if you don't have a good 3PL that you can ship all that to, you're going to see those last minute charges. And where that typically occurs is when you're using cheap or very low end, or some might call it affordable or economic solutions to freight forwarding. 
it's not an industry where you just find someone that's super cheap and they're going to be the best ever because they're cheap. You're getting what you pay for. If mm. you work with a cheap freight forwarder, they're going to work with cheap trucking companies. You work with yeah. cheap trucking companies, they're not going to communicate with your 3PL. You're not going to have inventory there on time. And then you see those charges later on. Yeah. Um, that's also where you see a lot of rolled cargo, obviously. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for these, thanks for these insights. So I think we're making a little bit of assumptions. So I just want to make sure everybody understands, you know, the idea of Amazon, you know, especially in March was like a nightmare. Everybody was so, it was really scary. <laughs> and then they, they stopped, they stopped accepting non-priority items into their warehouse and a lot of sellers, you know, myself included, uh, a lot of our products were not in that list. So what, what does that mean? We have stuff in China or factories or ports or inbound. Well, if it was already inbound, but if you didn't put, put the shipping plan, so people were, so now I think what's happening is a lot of people are looking at third-party warehouses because a lot of people just send directly to Amazon. But now I think that's always a strategy, especially for fourth quarter to sense to have stuff in a third-party warehouse in already in the U.S. or maybe at least a way to get it fast to the at least your market. Let's not say U.S. but whatever market. But I think now more than ever people need these third-party warehouses because if you send everything to Amazon you don't know how long it will take for them to receive it. You don't know, you know, how, if there's problems or delays or, or, or there's now restrictions on how much you can send or they're kind of like new sellers can't send as much in and they're trying to forecast. They don't want to have too much in your warehouse. And then they really kill you in fourth quarter because they jack up the rates. You know, um, they really increase their cost. Three times, I think. Yeah. Like three X. So, yeah. So people, some sellers don't even think or look, you know, there was even a joke I saw on a Facebook group, you know, like Jeff, Jeff Bezos laughing, you know, and he's like, he's got the calculator upside down and the number is just some random number. He's like, Oh, I think we made a, we made a mistake calculating your FBA fees. <laughs> you know, like people don't realize they just trust whatever the rate, they just pay it, you know? So there's definitely these reasons to use, you know, other, other services or have other services, um, uh, in place so that you could, uh, kind of buffer that risk by having stuff in these uh, third-party warehouses or having stuff on standby, especially with costs and these uh, restrictions on receiving items directly to Amazon. Do, do you think I summarized? Is there more you'd like to, to say about that? Or No, I, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. And not only... It, it, we talk a lot about Amazon, but there's also these other marketplaces that are opening up. Yeah. And so third-party sellers are really seeing these opportunities they, that they really didn't see even a year ago. Yeah. Uh, where I know you had Steve Selikoff yeah. off yeah. on not too long ago, and he was talking about Amazon and how Amazon wasn't going to slip up again against Walmart. Well, now we have Walmart Plus, right? Yeah, and now we're, Prime, yeah. Yeah, Prime. And, and now we're, let's say 15 years ago, everyone loved to go into the store and start shopping. That's just what they do. It's, uh, you know, he also talked about retail therapy. It's, it's, it's a huge thing. My girlfriend does it all the time. <laughs> um, but now you're moving on to platforms like Amazon and you're growing dependency on this e-commerce model where I buy everything on Amazon, but now there's a new competitor, Walmart Plus, and they're charging, I think, half the price or, yeah, it's about half the price of what Amazon Prime is charging and who knows what else they have to offer. Yeah. Um, I know they're getting more competitive with, you know, one day shipping and two day shipping. Um, but a big part of that is also growing dependency on 3PL warehouses. Yep. So you might be selling on Walmart 
Amazon. Amazon might throttle your inventory. Now you have to go through FBM instead of FBA. So that it, that itself just creates a dependency on 3PL. And then when you factor in Target trying to get into third-party sellers uh, and all these other platforms, you know, Touch a Modern, uh, if you can get on Wayfair, Home Depot, Lowe's, any of these other marketplaces, uh, it really grows more and more of a dependency. And I think this is really going to be the rise of 3PL yeah. uh, and everyone's going to be trying to get into this market soon. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, just to also, I kind of sometimes simplify or, you know, just rehash that, but basically, yeah, I mean, I, I always been, I started a lot of early sellers were eBay sellers. You know, I think yeah. I had a website, you know, uh, I got in about 2003 and I was doing eBay and website Amazon. I don't, I mean, I, I knew about Amazon, but they definitely, I think they opened it up 2006 or so, but uh, I think Steve was one of our earlier ones. I was also messing around with it too then. And it was never a big significant uh, channel, but now ev- there's so many pure hundred percent FBA sellers only, you know, like just sending everything directly to Amazon from their say China factory or wherever. But now, like, I think what the trend you're seeing and we're all seeing more and more people are talking about Walmart in these groups I'm, I'm hearing and in the community and, and uh, there's just more and more opportunity now, but it's also a better business model for the seller. I mean, we want more competition. You know, we want, we don't want to just have this huge gorilla of Amazon that's just crushing sellers. And, uh, you know, um, if by having diversification, you're, you're, you're a stronger business model, you know, it's a better, better, it's obviously more difficult, but that means it's also more difficult for everybody. And there's more opportunity if you can do it the right way. So, so, um, right. And, and from that, I mean, competition itself really drives innovation. And I think that's what we need, uh, particularly now when you do see these sellers just being a single market seller and having all these eggs in one basket, they don't really see that risk associated with it because everyone's talking about how easy it is. And yeah. we're seeing numbers like over 3000 new sellers a day. Yeah. Uh, so it's, uh, you really have to diversify that. Uh, yeah. Otherwise it's, it's just going to keep growing and eventually you're going to grow dependency. And if that fails, then everyone's going to fail. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So I think it, I forgot who canceled black Friday, but some of these retail stores are even canceling or I don't know if it's because of COVID or because of what, you know, or whatever, but I guess cyber Monday is going to be really taking over. You know, um, I think we're all bracing for impact, uh, you know, and then the biggest, the most, the biggest I think the hardest thing about e-commerce for me, at least, is forecasting your sales, forecasting your inventory, especially fourth quarter, especially now, because we're all assuming it's going to be a humongous fourth quarter. Um, So I I guess one is obviously, I think, Cyber Monday, or maybe it'll just be normal Black Friday, but it'll be online. But what's your crystal ball seeing? I guess there's just going to be a massive spike, right? I mean, across every, every channel, Walmart. Walmart probably up uh, Walmart plus yeah. program, Amazon everywhere, you know, everything online. Well, I, we've already been seeing order sizes increase from a lot of our users. Uh, and that's from all the way from new sellers to established sellers. And one big thing is that they are trying to get on these different platforms. So we're, we might've seen sellers purchase five, $6,000 worth of inventory. Now they're placing $20,000 orders and instead of shipping to FBA, they're shipping to a three PL. Yep. And so you can see everyone getting ready for this. And it's going to be one of those things where if you're just, if you're not in it, you're, you're not going to win. Uh, If you don't have inventory particularly, and you don't have enough inventory to last you through those holidays, you're not going to win. 
I think what a lot of sellers could do is actually capitalize on this moment. Um, and particularly if they're newish sellers, they wait until these businesses or these other brands or their competitors run out of inventory, boost all their ads, get on things like, you know, Amazon Live, get on Amazon Posts, utilize all these different new marketing tactics that these other businesses won't be doing because they have no inventory. Yeah. So again, you know, this competition is really going to breed more innovation. Uh, so looking into the crystal ball, I think it's going to be one of the craziest Q4s that, that we've ever seen for e-commerce. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think we've already been seeing that uh, with just, just with COVID alone. So yeah. I think 2020 is going to be a huge e-commerce year. So let's let you kind of, you know, let's just dig in a little bit more of the tactic you're seeing. So a hundred percent from like, say, I guess the typical still is Chinese factory trade war or not COVID or not Chinese factory to like West coast. Usually, I guess you still think West coast, LA, LAX, uh, maybe correct me if I'm wrong or give me some insights of where you think. Yeah. Or long beach or long beach. And then into a, into a warehouse, a third party warehouse, 3PL third party logistics, and then into the Amazon, but are they prepping it in China? Are they prepping, you know, are they labeling it? Maybe give us some strategies. I guess now you, if you're not all, you would do your shipping plan from the U S now and then send it into uh, Amazon, some of it, and then keep some of it maybe at this third party warehouse that can also be ready for Walmart can be ready for, you know, website sales, your know, Shopify or shopping cart, um, keeping it there. And then, like you said, a new seller could just be waiting and hoping that his competitors get out of stock and then he can, then he can pump in a whole bunch more into Amazon from the third party warehouse, say in, say in November, he got lucky. He sees his competitors run out of stock. He starts sending in, he has hundreds in a third party warehouse. So he's not, he saves the money on the fourth quarter shipping fees. I mean, storage fees of Amazon and then he's sending them in really quick and he's hitting it hard to try to just maximize that. And then, like you said, he's going into Amazon Live, Amazon, you know, content posts or PPC to really try to maximize that. But I think maybe give us some like tactics or strategies, sending it all into a third party warehouse and then splitting that and sending some into Amazon. Yeah, so a lot of the FBA prep, particularly for, for all the Noviland users, they have everything prepped in China, uh, whether it's at a consolidation warehouse or having labels put on at the factory itself. Um, yep. You know, As you know, factories will almost never charge for yeah, putting exactly. labels on because it's such, a, such an yeah, exactly. easy task for them. Um, and so they'll have all the FNSKU labels still put on. They'll have the MasterCard and labels still be labeled, um, but they might not have it palletized to be FBA compliant. So they might be able to maximize actually more of the use of that pallet in a container. Um, and when you're doing that, obviously your cost per unit is going to go down. What we see a lot of them doing now is just looking for alternatives to Amazon FBA, whether that is on the West Coast or on the East Coast. Now, one important conversation that we have with a lot of them is don't think that shipping to the West Coast 3PL is going to be your cheapest solution uh, because it. it in the short term, when you're looking at the vessel itself going to the West Coast, maybe, maybe it is a little bit cheaper. But then when you see the shipping costs associated with that 3PL to go to, uh, you know, to Atlanta or to go to Pittsburgh or to be shipped to Massachusetts, that's where you're really eating up a lot of costs. Um, so we see them diversifying really where they're leaving that supply, both on the West Coast and on the East Coast. So they might have it 
you know, fast track to the West Coast and they'll have half their inventory uh, cross stock to the to an East Coast location and then they'll just ship out from there. And whichever location obviously makes sense for the whoever the end buyer is, that's where they'll ship out from. Yeah. Um, now, that's what a, a lot of the conversations that we have tend to be is just, hey, how competitive are your shipping costs? Not necessarily how competitive are your inventory storage costs or your handling costs. Uh, it really comes down to the shipping from the three PLs. Okay. And just to clarify, maybe just to dig in a little bit more, sea shipments, air, I mean, I guess it depends on obviously the how heavy the products are, but probably still do two ocean shipments, one to like the West Coast, one to the East Coast, like, like here in Atlanta, and then, uh, and then distribute. I guess it also depends on how heavy or bulky your products are and also how much right. volume you're sending totally, right? If, if you're a new seller, it's still not going to, you don't want to split shipments on small, smaller items. Yeah. If you're a bigger I seller. I mean, if, if, you're paying the, if you're paying the flat fees on both of them, there's no point. I mean, a lot of new sellers, they might be doing one to two cubic meters, which really isn't that much. That's about a pallet, maybe a pallet and a half. You don't want to split that up onto two different vessels. You're paying those flat fees of what, seven, $800 each. Yeah. Um, it probably makes more sense just to ship to the West Coast or just to the East Coast um, and then ship the rest of it via rail or uh, actually rail is just going to be the cheapest option. Yeah. Uh, now, of course, Express Air, its own beast. Those prices were ridiculous, particularly because of COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When they had to ground a lot of those. There was no uh, flights. Yeah, no commercial flights. Exactly. What well, Now, interestingly enough, I'm not sure if you, you saw too much of this, but containers, 40-foot high-cube containers, that is a resource that the industry is lacking because China isn't receiving enough imports and they're just exporting like crazy. And so I, I think what everyone needs to know is that they should be working with their freight forwarders to see what equipment is available. And if they make these suggestions to use a different type of 40 foot container, uh, mm-hmm. it's for a reason. It could be to get, get it there faster. It could be because it's cheaper. Uh, obviously if it's short in supply, it's going to be high in demand. Price is going to go up. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Um, so there's, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm just wondering if we can give any forecasts like double, I mean, people are wondering, do I double what I ordered last year? I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you have some kind of Chris, you know, insights from what you maybe some of your, your users are doing, but I, I mean, it's always a, it's a risk. I mean, that's, that's, that's the game of, uh, especially retail, um, I think people are just going to have to uh, to gamble because you you know it's kind of gam it's gamble it's business is a risk right but you will try to calculate the risk and try to forecast how much more but it's the game right you don't want to run out of stock but you also don't want to like overstock you know so I, I don't know if you would have any what either something you're seeing or um or any insights well I I think that's a very interesting point that that you brought up that it is a risk. Uh, but with every risk, you can manage it however you like. So uh, a big trend with sellers, and particularly with you know gurus, they say how easy it is, right? How easy it is to source from Alibaba or how easy it is yeah. to sell on Amazon. Yeah. It's not. I mean, you get what you put in. And so if you're willing to constantly check up on your competitors, see what sort of keywords you can really optimize in your listing, see what they're doing wrong and look at their one-star reviews and improve your product. Uh, And at the same time, having the inventory to fulfill that um, and having the right partners, whether it's 3PL or logistics or just general supply chain, uh, 
it's all about the work that you put in and, and that's what you're going to take out. Yep. Now, if you do absolutely nothing different than what you did two quarters ago for Q4, you're not going to succeed. I mean, that's just, I don't have to tell you, that's the reality of it. Yep. Uh, you have to put in so much more work in a Q4 and, and it's so much more planning. Uh, but uh, I can't emphasize enough that it, it is what you make of it. Yep. Uh, if, you, if you make it your full-time job, then you're going to get paid like it's your full-time job. If it's your side gig, then you're going to get side gig money. Yeah, I mean, I think, just a little insight. That's why Chinese people say Chinese sellers do better than you know Western sellers. A lot of the West Westerners, you know, we do this as like a side hustle. We don't treat it like a uh, full time thing. You know, we're like trying right. to just make some extra cash. But like a you know Chinese sellers is their business. I, so I I don't want to separate those people. But anybody, if this is your business, this is a business decision. Um, you know, I know this could be a whole topic in itself, but maybe we'll just do one quick one about Chinese New Year. I mean, worst. You know, sometimes overstocking in Christmas, maybe you'll, it's a blessing in disguise because, you know, Chinese New Year. I know we had, uh, um, you know, I'm a shareholder in a bigger Amazon company called Alpha Rock, and we had, sometimes we overstocked or we felt like we were overstocked, but then COVID happened and then we were just so happy because we were overstocked because we could, uh, you know, survive or stay in stock when, when there was delays on inbound shipments or the COVID issues. So, um, you know, how do you normally see transitioning Q4 to Q1 and Chinese New Year, you know, like that? Well, yeah, if you're trying to get into the game now, I would probably say it's a little too late to get yeah, into any of the holidays. Uh, it's, it's way too late to get into the holidays. Now, it's also interesting that you say, you say the word overstock, right? But when I hear overstock, I think opportunity. Because there are all these new marketplaces, right? Yeah. And it's all about what you make of that. So where you might have too many products that won't sell on Amazon, well, hey, you have Walmart, you have eBay, yep. you know, you can go down to the mom and pop shops like you were talking about not too long ago. Yeah. And you can, you can try to sell those master cases. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really what you make of it. Uh, again, if you treat it like a full-time job, uh, it, you'll get paid like it's a full-time job. Uh, but you know, historically, businesses do see a lot of, uh, you know, excess sales in, in, in Q4, depending on how they market their product. Of course, it depends on how saturated that market is, how competitive their pricing is, uh, what added values they have to it. Uh, but ultimately, it, again, it is what you make of it. Yeah. And then one strategy I like to tell people if, if you use a 3PL is you could easily rebundle or or upsell you could throw in a freebie you could um you know you could you're more nimble because once you're in amazon you can't really take it you could of course take it out i've done it but it's a nightmare and it's expensive right. but <laughs> you, you know you could adjust your your especially in q4 you could maybe give away some extra stuff uh, you know you could have a christmas pack or a, a holiday pack um so there's more flexibility too when you're doing a more just in time shipping into Amazon. And then of course you can also get these new marketplaces and do giveaways. And yeah, I mean, worst case, if you are, like I said, overstocked, you could, uh, you could just try new channels or you could try, you know, even liquidating could be just a marketing strategy, you know, in a way, of course, sounds scary, but you know, you could also do that to boost your other markets. So yeah, this has been really, really, uh, thanks for sharing. Um, we haven't even really gotten to dig into what you, and your company do so i i would love to uh i'd love to hear more about novaland and uh and what you guys have been up to 
Yeah, so uh, uh, Nebulant's a full end-to-end sourcing, purchasing, and logistics solution. Uh, we handle everywhere from initial requests for quotes, finding the right factories for our users, uh, of course, managing samples and consolidating them, shipping them to, to the end users, um, placing orders, handling localized contracts, uh, as you know, you know, International contracts could be a nightmare. Uh, so we do have offices in China that handle all of that. Uh, but as well as production oversight, quality control inspection reports, uh, shipping to wherever it may be, 3, 3PL or Amazon, or we've shipped to apartments before where new sellers <laughs> just want to get it. They want to see their baby. And it's completely understandable. Um, but yeah, I mean, after that, we also handled the, uh, obviously we have 3PLs. We have 3PLs all along the East Coast as well as uh, in L.A., um, so, so we really try to simplify and uh, make the supply chain safer uh, in a very antiquated, um, I guess, industry where things have have improved so minus, I guess, in a minuscule way where it's small improvements like you know marketplaces like Alibaba, which I say minuscule, it's, it's humongous, but it's a minuscule way to solve a supply chain problem right it's it's a very open pay-to-play anyone could get on who knows who's on the other side of the screen sort of thing so it presents all these risks Um, and so we try to mitigate those Uh, and and that's for new sellers established sellers retail chains you name construction companies Um, and so that entire supply chain management really helps businesses and people really focus uh, on their business instead of working in it, uh, which, which can be a challenge, especially when you're trying to scale. Awesome. Well, thanks for these insights. And it's, it's uh, was some ways to find, I think we will link it up on the show notes. I think you guys are on all the channels, but uh, uh, Novaland.com is probably the best place. Or? Yeah, yeah, definitely Novaland.com. You can check us out on Facebook. We're going to be putting out a bunch of Chinese New Year content, uh, right. particularly as it's coming up and, and, uh, Instagram, we're pretty active there. Shoot us a DM, ask us questions, whatever the case may be. Okay, Francois, thank you so much for sharing with us. And uh, yeah, let's wish them all all this. Everybody, good luck. And uh, I think think it's going to be a a good year for anybody on doing anything online, right? Um, And uh, let's, uh, let's rock. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please give us a thumbs up, subscribe, and also check out our Instagram at Global From Asia. Thanks again and see you soon. E-commerce like over eight years.